Hey there, booklies! This is Anastasia Nightingale, and welcome back to the Bookish Creation Podcast. This show is for adults only, and sometimes contains erotic excerpts sent in by the authors for the purpose of reading them on the podcast. These excerpts can, at times, include intense situations and or provocative characters and scenes. Please be sure to listen responsibly. Okay, everybody, I hope that you're all ready because I am so, so excited for today's book hype. Today we get to look at Diamonds in the Rough by Charmaine Pauls. And one of the reasons why I'm so excited for today's book hype is not just because of the book itself, which is fantastic, but is also because of the excerpts that Charmaine has sent in for me to read to you guys. These excerpts are amazing. They are so thought-provoking while still being a bit sensual and giving you a real sneak peek into this book and into these characters and how deep they truly are, as well as the complexity of the situations that they find themselves in. So thank you so much, Charmaine, for sending in these awesome excerpts. I just can't wait to dive into them. They truly are amazing. Now, Diamonds in the Rough is book two in Charmaine's Diamonds Are Forever trilogy, and this series has quickly become one of my top favorite dark romances of all time. I absolutely adore the characters, I adore the plot, the world that they're in is awesome, and I can't wait to find out what happens, where they go from here, how they get out of the situations that they find themselves in. Ugh, I just can't wait to see how this series ends, while at the same time, I want it to go on forever. Honestly, I do. Now, anybody who follows my blog knows that I am 100% about honesty, so I will tell you guys that I am one of the lucky readers that got an ARC copy of this book. So one of the big parts of my excitement is that I already know how amazing it actually is. Now, the review for Diamonds in the Rough will be coming out in a couple of days, but I wanted to make sure that I got the book hype out first. But in all honesty, you guys, I can't wait for you to get your hands on this book, and I am so happy that it's coming out tomorrow, July 14th, so the wait's not long, but I'm sure that you guys are going to be able to tell throughout the podcast that I am just bursting with excitement, which is a big part of the reason why I wanted to do the book hype first before I did the review, so that way I could get all that out rather than just sounding like a big fangirl all throughout my review. Okay, I can't wait anymore. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. So this first excerpt is from our heroine Zoe's point of view. Clutching my satchel under my arm, I make my way into the warm sunlight while coldness creeps over every inch of my skin. Maxima waits across the road, leaning on his fancy sports car. His eyes are trained on me, following my progress with undivided attention. Giving me this much freedom is a big deal for him, but I can't appreciate it. Not right now. A few of the women from my class are gathered on the lawn in front of the building. They're looking my way, whispering as they too follow my progress toward the blue Bugatti. I block them out. I block everything out. When Maxime kisses my lips, I can't help but pull back. He stills. The coldness I feel in my bones settles over his eyes, turning the gray into winter instead of molten skies. How was the first day? He asks, his observation sharpening on me as he gets my door. I don't bother to answer. There's a tick to his jaw, but I can't even bring myself to be scared. I just feel numb like on the night that was supposed to be a celebration when I drank myself into a stupor and spent the next day being sick. 
that sickness descends on me now, turning my stomach. He says nothing as he starts the engine. The powerful hum of the motor is the only sound in my ears as he heads towards town. When he doesn't take our exit, I snap out of my haze. Where are we going? To celebrate. My stomach clenches. I dig my nails into my palms. We're having dinner in town. He glances at me. There's an opening of a new casino. You have to be there, I say in a flat tone. He changes gears and accelerates too abruptly. Yes, but it'll still be a celebration. I register his fancy suit and tie. I'm not dressed for a party. I have a dress for you in the trunk. I can't face one of his fancy affairs. Not today. Maxime, please. I just want to go home. His eyebrows pull together. What's wrong? I'm suddenly so tired I sag in my seat. I don't want to be your eye candy tonight. His knuckles turn white on the gear stick. Is it so terrible to be seen with me? Is that what was going on back there? You're happy enough for my money to pay for your classes, but you don't want your friends to know who's paying? They're not my friends. He made sure they'd never be. Rubbing a hand over my forehead, I say quietly, They already know. He brings the car to a screeching halt in front of a white building with a water fountain. Grabbing my jaw in his hand, he squeezes painfully. You're mine, Zoe. For the whole fucking world to see. Is that clear enough, or is it time for another lesson? Tears gather in my eyes. I shake my head. Please, Maxime, I can't do this. Not tonight. Just take me home. He lets go, the momentum shoving me against the door. You will go inside and get changed. You will wait for me in the room until I come and fetch you. His expression hardens. How tonight turns out is up to you. He gets out, comes around, and opens my door. Gautier and Benoit must have followed behind us. They get out of a Mercedes. Gautier takes a dry-cleaning and overnight bag from the trunk of Maxime's car. Benoit scans the entrance of the casino and steps aside for me to enter. I'm halfway across the pavement when Maxime catches my wrist. You forgot something. Yanking me against him, he cups my nape and kisses me. The kiss is hot and intense, but I'm not in it. Maxime tears his lips from mine and pushes me aside. Make sure you're ready in an hour. I love this one! Okay, okay, there is so much going on here. Hang on, I need a minute to reel myself in. Okay, so, as we can clearly see, Zoe is not happy. And I love that she's not hiding it. I think one of my favorite parts about this excerpt is how she even realizes that she's not able to bring herself to be nervous about his reaction when she knows she really should be. I feel that really shows how much their relationship has progressed. And I know that sounds a bit weird, but in dark romances, especially in their relationships and in the situations that they find themselves in, her coming to a place where she's able to express herself in this way, no matter the situation, really does show the amount of trust that she's come to have from Maxime, or as he's often called in the series Max, as well as the confidence that she's starting to build in herself. I know that this does sound really weird, but that's what I'm getting from that particular piece of this excerpt. Another thing that I really like here is how real this is, how raw it is. 
Max's emotions are clearly being affected by what she feels and does, whether he realizes that or not. And what I mean by that will make a little more sense when we read the next excerpt. I also really love that little pop of insecurity that we get from Max when he asks her if she finds it so terrible to be seen with him. That really hit home with me. That showed me that he thought and was nervous that her actions were actually done out of embarrassment over being seen with him and over being with him. And I love, love, love that that came up. At the same token, I also really enjoy how he doesn't put up with any of it. He is determined to not let what's been built between them die down or slip away. Even though he doesn't really know what's going on with her at this moment, he's not about to let anything take her or what they have from him. And I love that. But then again, you all know I love the more alpha males, especially in my dark romances. <laughs> Now, another big thing about this excerpt that I think shouldn't be overlooked is how revealing the scene really is on how different they are when it comes to viewing certain situations. He sees this event as something that he can make his own, where he can tweak it to be his own little special outing, so it suits him more, where she sees it more as a chore. And given their backgrounds and current status with each other, this makes perfect sense. And in all honesty, I can't wait to see how this changes in the future or if it changes and how they work it out. And the rest of the way this scene goes is fantastic. You guys will love it. Oh, I loved this part of the book. I loved all the parts of the book, but I loved this part of the book so much. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to our next excerpt from Max's point of view. The last time I visited Dr. Delphine Bisset was before my trip to South Africa. She's a good shrink. I'm not the self-searching or inwardly reflecting kind, but she helped me understand shitloads about myself, which, believe it or not, is imperative in my business. You can't know your enemies if you don't know yourself. Delphine is the only one with the balls to be honest with me. The psychiatrist I tried before her told me whatever I wanted to hear. I guess he was worried I'd shoot him. Pushing the door to her uptown consultation room open, I walk to the receptionist's desk. I'm alone. My guards don't tag along for this. My visits to the shrink are something I prefer to keep private. My enemies may take it for a weakness. The girl looks up. Her easy smile vanishes. Good morning, sir. Her hand is already on the phone. Dr. Bisset is with a patient, but I'll let her know you're here. I give her a polite nod and take a seat among the other waiting patients. Five minutes later, the door to the office opens and a young man exits in front of Delphine. Max! She offers me a warm smile and beckons me with a wave. The other patients glare at me when I stand. I don't have an appointment. Ignoring their nasty looks, Delphine shuts the door and shakes my hand. It's been a while. I've been busy. Naturally, she says with wit, crime will do that to you. Walking to the informal sitting area, she motions for me to take a seat. What brings you today? I sit down in one of the armchairs and adjust my jacket. A woman. Ah. She takes the seat opposite me and crosses her legs. You mean one you've seen more than twice? Six months, actually. She tilts her head. Very out of character for you. What makes this one different? She's innocent. Pure. I suppose you could say she's naive. Folding her hands, she studies me. You're attracted to these innocent 
traits? Naturally. I say, quoting her earlier remark. Opposites attract and all that. Her smile is eloquent. Why? She's everything I'm not. I'd say that's obvious. How is this a problem for you? She asks in her smooth voice. Leaning forward, I rest my elbows on my knees and tip my fingers together. I give her a long look as I weigh my words. Their heaviness bears down right in the center of my chest. Am I capable of love, doctor? Max. She blows out a short sigh. It's a soft sound laced with compassion. In order to love, you need to have empathy. Whenever I'm the cause of her pain, I hurt myself worse than what she's hurting. You're inflicting pain on yourself? Yes. As punishment? As a reminder. To have empathy? Yes. Physical pain doesn't replace compassion, Max. Compassion comes from the heart. That's the thing. She makes me feel. I press a palm over my chest where the dead skin crawls from the mere thought of her. She makes me feel... Things. Define things. Fear. Fucking loads of it. Weakness. She makes me care. Can you put her first, above your own needs? I consider that. Putting Zoe first will mean doing what's best for her and what she wants. To let her go. Only, I can't do that, and it has nothing to do with her brother's diamonds. I'll never set her free. She's mine. Mine. I fucking claimed her. I took her virginity. I came inside her. No, I'm afraid letting her go has and will never be an option. Tilting my head back, I scrub a hand over my face. Do you manipulate her, Max? I look back at the doctor. For her own good. Do you lie to her? When I must. Do you feel shame or remorse for your lies and manipulations? No. Her small smile is sad, conveying a wordless message. Yeah, yeah. I rake my fingers through my hair. I'm still the pathologically lying, manipulative, cold-hearted prick with the versatile criminal behavior and lack of moral judgment. And high intelligence, she adds, not to mention ruthlessness. That's supposed to help me? She leans her arms on her knees. You're the most ruthless person I know, meaning you're willing to take risks. Are you willing to take a risk for her and step out of your comfort zone? You're also a clever man, a man who knows how his behavior impacts others, even if you don't feel guilty about it. You want to do better. That's why you sought me out for starters. Even if I do better, I'll still be the fucking psychopath incapable of love. You suffer from emotional detachment, but feeling something is a beginning. We can work with that. Frustration mounts. I'm pretty much agitated right now. That counts for an emotion. Your frustration and anger are manifestations of your self-impatience. We've already covered this. Isn't caring for someone love in its own kind of way? It depends on the root of the caring. Is this about her or you? I shift in my seat. What do you mean? Do you care because of how being with her makes you feel? Or do you care about how she feels, regardless of yourself? I don't want her to be sad or unhappy. How do you feel when she's unhappy? Frightened. Why? That it'll slip away. That what will slip away? Her? This? What I'm feeling when she's around? Right. She raises a brow. So, this is about you. I love my family, don't I? You hate your father, and your brother is your biggest enemy. You have a sense of responsibility towards your mother, 
and you experience feelings of injustice for your father's behavior, but you lack the empathy that forms unconditional relationships with your family. This woman, my woman, grew up in a dysfunctional family in a poor neighborhood. She's been exposed to every circumstance you quoted for making a psychopath, yet she's not like me. How come? Max. She sighs again. It's not a secret you can steal. Every person's internal and external factors are unique. As I've told you before, I suspect in your case it's a combination of your violent circumstances and genetic inheritance. So, I say with a wary smile, you're telling me I'll never be able to love. I think you do love in your own way, and I do believe you'll be able to build a trusting and sharing relationship if you can manage to see things from your partner's perspective. But... But in this case, your care is selfish. You said it yourself. She gives you what you don't have. Your opposites. You're using her to balance yourself. Great. This helps a fucking lot, and it changes nothing. Thank you, doctor. Always a pleasure, Max. Despite her strict no-touching policy, she leans over and squeezes my hand. I'm here when you need me. I stand. I appreciate your time. No, you don't. Her intelligent eyes meet mine. You expect it. In fact, you insist. Not unkindly, she adds. Next time, try to be considerate to everyone else and make an appointment. She's right, as always. I'd give my life to give Zoe the love she deserves, but I am what I am. I leave Dr. Basset's office still the same man, a man unable to reciprocate love. I told you guys this was so thought-provoking. I love these excerpts. I love both of them, but this one is really interesting in a unique way. Okay, so there's a lot to look at here, but I adore, adore the fact that Max went to go see the psychiatrist before his trip to South Africa. And the trip to South Africa actually happens in book one, but book one has not been out long enough for me to talk about anything with that. So we'll just say that it has quite a big importance in the entire story. However, I love that it's being added in that seeing a psychiatrist and having their opinion on things, getting help from a psychiatrist is actually really important in the kind of job that Max has. When it comes to a dark hero or an anti-hero, especially when it's a mafia-type related job, you don't really expect them to care <laughs> what a psychiatrist thinks about them. But I like that he does. I like that he's going in and trying to learn more about himself and showing that side of if he knows more about his weaknesses, then his enemies can't exploit it as easily. But I think the best part about this is the fact that he's going in to try and figure out how he can make himself feel love just so he can give Zoe the love he feels like she deserves. That is so sweet and amazing, especially since he seems to think he doesn't already love her, even though he's in the seat looking for this. <laughs> I am not a psychiatrist, but to me, him going in there and seeking this out really is a big sign already right there on his feelings about her. I think he's just confused about his feelings, but we'll see how things turn out. I really love how deep this scene gets, too, into his past, how it dives into his family matters, how it looks at 
how he feels about things that have happened and it doesn't hold back when it comes to things such as his true feelings for his father, the real things happening with his brother, and even going as far as to exposing what's actually going on with his mom. And in particular, I will just say this, in particular when it comes to his mom, thank you very much. I am glad somebody said that. Thank you. Hopefully things go further than that when it comes to his mom. I also find it interesting that the doctor already knew his previous habits with women. I really like that little added bit. It tells me a lot about how many times he's come to see this doctor, how deep they've actually gone. And the fact that she is surprised and it's out of character for him to be seeing a woman more than just twice... Yeah, to me, you're in love with Zoe, you just need to freaking realize it, and then maybe you can get through your wall of being able to give her that love that you feel. <laughs> I really like the doctor in this one as well, and I'm kind of wondering if she's going to play an even bigger part later on down the road. I love how straightforward she is with him, how... Much like he says, she has balls with him. She just tells him how it is, rather than sugarcoating anything or trying to make him feel better about anything, she just flat out says it. Another thing that I'd like to point out is when they're talking about him punishing himself, or as he put it, hurting himself as a reminder when he's hurting her, that part of this series so far has been really, really interesting. I really like that part. And now that it's come out in the open with the doctor and they've discussed it a little bit, I am really looking forward to seeing what happens with that as time goes on. What's going to change, if anything changes, and how is that going to wind up having an impact when he does realize that he has feelings for her. I mean, I could be insane. That's that's quite possible. But I can see that he has feelings for her. I really can. Oh, I can't wait to see what happens with all of this. Also, what other things have you seen the psychiatrist for? Getting peeks into characters like this mind is really, really interesting to me. And yeah, I know, I'm a weirdo, but <laughs> I would love to see what else they've talked about and how else she's helped him and what else she knows. She obviously knows a lot. And again, I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't know their job. However, I'm pretty sure if they know of criminal activity, they're supposed to report it. So that gives me a little bit of curiosity as to her personality as well. You're not afraid of him. Not once in any of this conversation or any of this scene did I pick up fear from the doctor. So what is your motive with him to be so blunt, to be helping him, and to not have guilt about helping him, to not want to turn him into the police, and how much do you know that he's done and how much have you possibly helped him do and still not had guilt about it? Hmm. 
Yeah, I'd definitely like to know more about the doctor herself. These are all the kinds of little things that happen within this series that are really, really intriguing to me. These secondary characters that are just so interesting and deep that have these little scenes or little remarks that come up that make me really stop and go, wait a minute, what? What just happened there? Ooh, what's going to happen later on? Because you just know either somehow their role is a little bit more significant or perhaps they're buried a little bit deeper in the world than you're aware of and somehow that's going to come up further down the road. And I just can't wait to see how everything turns out. Oh, and as far as you all getting your hands on this book, I... Really can't wait to see all of the reactions from people reading this one. I can't wait to see everybody loving this series when it's completely done, which will be this year. And I can't wait to discuss it further with all of my fellow dark romance lovers out there. This is an amazing series written by an amazing author, and I know anyone who loves dark romance won't be disappointed picking this one up. However, this is one of the type of series that you do need to read in order. So if you did not read the first book in the series called Diamonds in the Dust, please make sure that you read that one before you jump into this one. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for this bookish book hype. I hope that you all enjoyed that and that you're as excited about this as I am. I honestly can't wait for the next book. Seriously, cannot wait. Give it to me. Give it to me now. I want it now. I need to read it now. I need to see how this ends. I hope that you all enjoy it as much as I do. This is an incredible story. These characters have really grabbed my heart. They're beautifully written. There have been so many times where I'm reading it and I honestly feel like I'm on an emotional roller coaster right along with Zoe. And when it comes to a dark romance, that's exactly what I want to be on. So, Thank you so much, Charmaine, again, for sending in these wonderful excerpts and for such a fantastic, beautiful story. I can't wait for book three, can't wait to finish it. This has been a highlight of my reading year. Thank you so much. Remember, everyone, as always, if you want to see more about this book, more on the book, book hype, and also some links on where you can buy this book, please be sure to check out the blog post for this episode on my blog at www.bookishcreation.com. The Bookish Creation podcast logo was designed by The Artsy Reader. She is another fantastic book blogger. You can check her out at www.theartsyreader.com. She has a bunch of cool reviews and does a multitude of different genres, so I suggest checking her out. The excerpts were sent in by the wonderful Charmaine Pauls. She has a bunch of hot, steamy reads available for you guys to enjoy. You can check out her website at CharmainePauls.com. As always, if you want to see more of these kinds of bookish book hypes or reviews or other fun romance book-related posts and podcasts, please be sure to subscribe either to this podcast or to my blog. I hope you all are staying safe and having a fantastic morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. I'll talk to you all next time. Bye!